Hello, everybody. I'm Wayne Reese, and it's showtime here in beautiful Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley, on this beautiful global warming Saturday, right here on AM Radio 11AWYL. Folks in Southeast Pennsylvania, whether you live in King of Prussia, whether you live in Potsdam, or whether you live in Pennsburg, or or Jenkintown, folks, it doesn't matter. You're tuning in to us because you know that we have the truth that comes at you at the speed of sound. That's why you listen to us every week. And uh, we appreciate it very much. And uh, for you listening to our, 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 our expert opining on the issues of the day. Well, we're going to jump into some issues today, folks. We're going to talk a little bit about the deep state, the deep state indictment with Jack Smith and his this targeted probe again. We're going to get into that student loan darkness in lies. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, going woke, going broke in Hollywood. We're going to talk about the Indiana Jones 5 movie and uh, get into that. We're also going to talk uh, for the sake of identity. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And yes, folks, France is in chaos. Folks, we're going to get into that and a whole lot more. So let's jump right into it. You know what's interesting is that right now in Hollywood, I want to get I want to get to that story in Hollywood. I just think it's so compelling. You know, you, you we're talking about movies, and you know, people are whatever businesses, producers, production companies making movies. Okay, they make movies, whether it's uh, well, whether it's uh, uh, you know, wh- whether it's Star Wars or or whether it's a Marvel comics movie or whether it's Indiana Jones here. I mean, you know, if, if they're trying to. They're trying to create a movie that can allegedly to try to create a movie that can sell tickets. So you get these production company, get this production company. They say, let's hire someone that can put this product together. And what Disney's doing, see, Disney's losing its shirt. So Disney has a bunch of incompetent people that are leading the way, if you will, in in in, uh, in, in Disneyland. Okay, at Disney World. Their their companies are losing money, and you know their 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 streaming service is losing money. Uh, I believe I heard that they lost over a billion dollars. I'm I mean that may be low as well, but Disney's losing a lot of money. Their last eight productions, their last eight movies have lost almost a billion dollars. Okay, their last eight productions. Okay, now the this one here is the night. This is Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny, right now, and it's looking at. Between six to seven and a half million dollars in this in this Thursday night opening. Now, the reason that's so significant is is it's going to be it's going to be coming in at a really really low low figure. Uh, you know, getting getting into what what we're talking about here. The for instance, the Flash was considered one of the biggest flops in history. It opened at like nearly ten million dollars on Thursday night, and it went down, and it literally went went on to fifty five million three day opening. And as of now, they're expecting Dial of Destiny to do $65 million. Now, I think our listeners are saying, well, how can you be a failure when you're bringing the $65 million in three days? Well, that's a good question. But the answer to that question is uh, because they're spending a half a billion dollars to create the production. So they're anticipating this movie probably bringing in between $1 to $250 million, which means it's going to lose between three hundred to $350 million. Now, when you're a production company, you create a movie that doesn't sell. It doesn't make money. And that means nobody made money on it. So the people, the producers, the investors, they put all their money into this thing. 
And, you know, they hire Kathleen Kennedy and she's up there. She puts this thing together and uh, it's, it's just a giant flop. Okay. She, she's looking for the replacement. Okay. This is what, this is what you got to understand. They're looking for the replacement of, of Harrison Ford. And, uh, and they just, they, they didn't find that. I mean, it, they did. They, they, I don't know if they were looking for a replacement for the who who could cover Harrison Ford's adventurous swashbuckling caricature uh, better. I mean, but they found this. Uh, you know, they 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 they. You know, basically, they found a character that wasn't going to make. Okay, so I think what's it, what's interesting at in all of this is you look at what these other movies have done. So I want to get into this. The worldwide projection of the Dial of Destiny is basically going to earn about one point, well, one hundred forty million dollars globally, and uh, basically, uh, that's just not good. I mean, basically, without accounting for inflation, Dial of Destiny is expected to do about half the business that Crystal sucked did, and, and in the end, Crystal sucked earned seven hundred ninety million dollars worldwide. Uh, this is going to do a whole lot less than that. Dial of Destiny ends up louding anywhere near half of that $790 million, uh, in that haul. It's, in that case, it, will, it won't cover their, their production and promotion budget. Now, I told you before, the uh, the production budget was about $400 million. The promotion budget is, well, it's every bit of that. It could be double that. So you're looking at $800 million, certainly, with the with the promotion and production. But even if it's just $200 million to produce it, you're still looking at six hundred million dollars in total cost. So, I mean, the 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 Disney grooming syndicate is likely to lose about two hundred million dollars, maybe three hundred million dollars on this issue. Like I told you, Kathleen Kennedy will earn yet another massive promotion because that talentless woke franchise killer has been uh, failing her way up the chain of command for fifteen years. As she's already killed Willow, as she kills Star Wars, and that survived, if you will. Uh, that survived the dreadful George Lucas prequels. And if she's capable of killing the same Indiana Jones and survived, that survived Crystal Suck, then they will probably make her president of Disney. I mean, after all, she's the one, you know, it's it's not about competency. It's not about achievement and woke theology. It's about, well, I mean, what identity does she fit? That's what they're looking for. Uh, they're not looking for competency. They're not looking for capability, okay? Uh, I mean, honestly... Kathleen Kennedy is, is in this. She she puts this thing together. And all I can suggest is, folks, I mean, why did she... But when she put this thing together, she was out there saying, well, they're they're going after... Um, they're going after candidates and, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're going after people, okay, that the, the, the viewers, they're, going, they're not going after the old viewers of Indiana Jones. Uh, you know, uh, they're, they're not going after the... Uh, they're not going after the, uh, the the people that were the fans of that. They're going after a different clientele. They're going after a different different kind clientele. Phoebe Waller Bridge, okay. I mean, she's the uh, Phoebe, Phoebe Waller, I should say, Waller Bridge. She's the person that they picked to replace Harrison Ford, and I think that's really where it's at. What I'm trying to get to is, she pushed this thing together. Kathleen Kennedy produced it, and. Uh, they, they bring in what they think is going to be a swashbuckling replacement for Indiana Jones, you know, for, for, for Harrison Ford, and they bring in Phoebe Waller-Bridge. So why did they pick her? Is there anybody else in, in, in Hollywood land that can better play a swashbuckling role uh, like Indiana Jones that could, you know, that, 
the, the adventurous swashbuckler that Harrison Ford was with that with the kind of witty, gritty humor that the show had. I mean, think about it. I mean, what what is it that they're looking to achieve with with hiring, okay, BB Waller Bridge? I mean, what was that all about? You know, you have to ask the question. Of course, when you answer the question, there's only one answer that can come up with it, is they wanted to pick a person that would um they they weren't picking a person that to best fit the role. They were picking a person that would, well, help change the identity of the movie itself. They wanted to change the identity of the movie itself. They wanted to appeal to a, a an audience that, uh, well, is really there. They, they want to uh, ramrod, if you will, their woke ideology into the, well, into the faces of Americans. This is what they look to do. And uh, so they hired her. Now, if they were actually looking to sell tickets, they wanted to, if Kathleen Kennedy was actually looking to, you know, create a, a movie that, that, uh, people wanted to see, that's what she was, that's what he, if that's what she was trying to do, it's likely she would have picked somebody other than Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She'd have picked somebody else. And I mean, like, I'm not a Hollywood expert. I'm not an expert on movies in that respect, but I can tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm in business and. I know what business people think about when they when they make an investment. They want to return. So you hire a producer who's going to find the best possible candidates to fit the role. What kind of a role is it? Well, you're filling a Harrison role, movie role, if you will, a, 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 a person that's playing this position, if you will, a person that's in this role who people went to the movies to see, who had humor, who had who who who, proje- who uh, projected strength. Heroic, um, heroic uh, tendencies, if you will, uh, within the movie itself, who actually played a good hero, right? So they pick, you know, Phoebe Waller Smith, you know, Phoebe Waller Bridge. I mean, that's. I don't think they were looking to fill that role. I think what they were looking for is they were looking for an identity, and I think that's what turned off the viewers. That's why it it, it did very poorly at the Cannes uh, Movie Festival, and it's done very poor in its reviews and it's likely to do very poorly here it's likely it's going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars and it'll be just another it'll be another flash in the pan if you will for disney um i i can i can tell you that uh i mean i think i think it's gonna i think it's just gonna be a really bad day for kathleen kennedy and and others and and look disney's gonna have to make a decision the chairman of the board's gonna have to make a decision what are they trying to do are they trying to make money are they trying to promote you know this 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 identity politics, if you will, has infiltrated corporate America, and now you've got people playing positions that can't play the position. You know, if, if I had, you know, fifty million or ten million or whatever million dollars to put into a movie investment, I wouldn't put it in any movie investment unless I believed it would make money. They're going to lose investors. Disney's already losing investors, and unless they make changes at the top. That could be with the CEO himself. Unless they make change at the top, they're likely going to move. They're going to lose a lot more. And uh, it's going to get even worse for that. As Trump would say, go woke and go broke, because that's exactly what this is. And it's for the sake of identity. It's what it is. I mean, you know, which leads me to the other item here about the uh, the suit alone darkness here. I want to get into this a little bit. I thought this was very compelling. So the Supreme Court has now ruled they shrug down Biden's half a billion, half a trillion dollar student loan forgiveness plan. Uh, shrug it down. 
absolutely struck it down. And uh, they struck down a student loan forgiveness plan uh, just yesterday, ending a $430 billion debt write-off that critics said had been the midterm election gimmick that he knew was unconstitutional. Now, you know, over the summer, Biden announced his decision to forgive up to $20,000 of student loan debt for Americans making less than 25000 a year. So he announced his details of his plan on social media. He described it as a campaign promise to give working and middle-class families breathing room on student loans. So the plan was criticized for attempting to evade Congress's power to control spending and debts for prioritizing elite college graduates over working-class Americans who chose not to go to college. This is what we have to understand. Going to college is a choice that people make. Like buying a car is a choice people make. Like buying a home is a choice people make. Um, whatever it is. I mean, you know, but, uh, having elective surgery is a choice people make. There's choices that people make that, that basically they make, and, and, and these choices affect the way their bank accounts are affected, if you will. They, it, it, it draws down the bank accounts. As they spend money, it draws down the bank account. So many kids today go to college with their aimless. They're absolutely aimless. I can remember being on a school board, and I can promise you folks, I would say more than half the students, okay, in high school today, all across this country, more than half the students have a vision, a goal, a dream when they get out of when they get out of high school, okay, is to go to college and become an actor or an actress, okay, or a musician, okay, to go to college and to learn those tricks of the trade of being an actress or an actor and a musician. That's what they want. They want to be that. They want to be the next super. Superstar, rock, pop, superstar. They want to be the next actor, actress that you know that that is a part of a Hollywood, you know, movie plot that fails. Okay, but that's what more than half of them want to do. Today's generation is not interested in business. Many of them get out of college; they don't know what to do. There is no career path in movies. There is no career path in music. Okay, and there just isn't. So they end up having to go to work. And oftentimes these people, they, they, they really don't want to get, they don't want a job. They don't want to work. They don't want a job. They don't want to. And when they do work, they, they hardly work. Okay. I mean, they're, they're, this is, this is the, this is the culture that's coming out. There is no work ethic, if you will, of, there's no tradition, if you will. There's no, it's not promoted in pop culture. It's not promoted in the movies. Okay. You don't see examples. And what's interesting is when you look at movies, I want to make sure we're clear on this. We get back to the movies a little bit, but the movies direct and dictate what children think. It, it, and that's the truth. Everyone knows it. Okay. I know it because I remember when I was a child, how you emulate characters on television, characters in a movie. You emulate, you, you don't realize that the stunts are just that stunts. You don't realize that the special effects are just that special effects. You don't realize because you think. That what you're seeing is a, as a as an element of reality to it. You just don't realize why, because you're just a kid. You're just under 12 years old, and so you're living in this virtual reality world. Okay, so you know you're 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 being affected by this pop culture. Okay, this pop culture that's that's glamorizing and making it acceptable, not just acceptable, but glamorizing and making it chic and cool. Okay. 
to to want to train train to jump into gender fluidity, okay, and the transition from one gender to the next. This is what the pop culture is promulgating and promoting, propagating. Okay, this is what they're putting out there. And so kids today, they don't know how to be. Um, and and honestly, with the family structure the way it is in many families, and you know, mom and dad aren't the aren't the support pillars at home they should be. So these kids go to school, they really are not clear on things. And teachers have a huge influence, and curriculum has a huge influence. What children read has a huge influence on these kids. What they think, okay. I can remember again being on a school board. I remember the Democrats love, they love focus groups. I, I just never really liked them. I always thought, I mean, in marketing focus groups, are, I guess, are a thing that they're a thing. And I guess it does give you some understanding of what people think about, you know, catchphrases or product, uh, you know, packaging or things like that. But in politics and in policymaking, we should not be doing focus groups. Okay, when they're doing focus groups for policymaking or or trying to steer how you gotta how you gotta direct policy, whether it's in public policymaking or whether it's on a school board, which I was on, you don't need focus groups. You don't need a focus group to figure out what the community thinks. What you need is people from the community who know what the community thinks. People actually talk to the community. Okay. But what Democrats like about focus groups is if they can bring them on in the focus group study generally produces generally produces the result that the focus group engineer wants it to produce the person running the focus group whatever the result they're looking for is generally what they're able to 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 direct if you will to you know to 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 just channel okay the the focus group to result in okay whatever they're looking to do so you know, these focus groups are ways that these, that they set public policy. Well, today you've got people who, who are, I mean, focus groups are popular with group they people. Okay. Focus groups are popular for people that don't have independent thinking capacity. Focus groups are popular for people that don't want to be out on an island being the only one thinking something, who value the group they protection of the herd. This is what focus group do. Well, you know, what we're dealing with is we're dealing with kids today who don't meet people in person, but meet them on social media, who don't uh, who don't really go out and they don't play like they used to, like kids used to play. They don't, you know, they don't play kickball on the street. They don't, you know, they don't hike through the woods. They don't, uh, you know, run up and down hills or slide down the hill in the wintertime. I mean, kids today, I mean, I, it's a big deal when you see a park with a hill that has anybody sliding on it today versus... Years ago, they would be lining up at the top of the hill to come down that slide, that, that hill with a sled. Kids today are, they, they're just not the physical kids of, the, of yesterday. They don't think the same. They don't, they don't come to the workplace with a level of, 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 um, initiative and innovation and, 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 uh, energy. They just don't. They, they come to work wondering, okay, tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it maybe. And, and this is the way they come to work. So today's generation is like that. And I think what's happening is all these kids go to college thinking they're going to get more out of it. They go into college because they think, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to get an education and I'm going to get a PhD. I'll be a career student. I'll get a, I'll get a degree. I'll get a degree. I'll go to college and get a degree. The problem is there's degrees on thermometers and we know where thermometers go. Okay. <laughs> can go. So, you know, just because you have a degree and I'm not diminishing 
my degree or anybody else's degree. I'm not diminishing degrees of anybody. I'm simply saying that if you're going to get a degree, get, in the, get a degree in something that can help you or don't bother spending the money. Don't make the investment. I mean, you've got people who, who, who want to invest in philosophy. They want to major in philosophy. Why? They want to major in, uh, you know, I can understand, I guess, if you want to major in psychology. Psychology is the is the art of influencing other people. It's the art of manipulating, of, of leading, and of, of, of just, uh, you know, uh, it's the art of, of just persuading people. That's what that's what psychology is, understanding human psych. But other than that, I don't know how you market And a lot of psych people, a lot of people that are professionals in psychology, if you will, are very difficult to get along with. They themselves are, are, they're just difficult. They almost see people differently and they don't have the same feelings for people. So there's a lot to be said of over, over-educated psych majors. But I remember talking to a fellow one time. He was studying, to, he was going to Syracuse University back, it was about 20 years ago. I was interviewing him for a job. And I, I was going to pay the guy about, I want to say at the time it was about, oh, about probably about 45000 a year at the time, about 20 years ago, which is pretty good money today. Probably equivalent to about sixty-five is today, seventy today. And uh, I remember he was going to college in Syracuse, and uh, for uh, for uh, you know he wanted to be a, a therapist, if you will, like a, a, a I should say a, a trainer, okay, a, a sports trainer. And he wanted to get a, a job with a professional football team or something like that. I said, okay, that's great. So I went to Syracuse University. I asked him. I said, well, that's got to be expensive. You must be spending a quarter of a million dollars in education. Because yeah, it's a very expensive school. But when I get out, I can make seventy-five thousand a year, maybe or eighty. Well, okay, well, I got a job that you can maybe make forty-five. Is yeah, but that's thirty thousand less than what I could start at with this. I said, that's if you get a job doing it. Now I'll never forget the look on his face. He says, you know, I'm not trying to diminish what your education is, sir. I'm not trying to diminish what you're doing for a living. But you're gonna have a reality check when you get out of college and you spend a quarter of a million dollars to get that education. If you don't land a job where you're making at least eighty or ninety grand as as a, as a trainer of some sort, a sports team trainer, then you're going to be looking for a job anywhere because you got student loans to pay. Student loans to pay because you went in to be a sports trainer, and he just got up and you know we we politely ended the conversation. But I'll never forget the conversation. I'll never forget his look. I'll never forget his reaction because it really struck me as curious. I, you know, I, I remember telling my my executive assistant after the meeting was over that I had, and he walked out, and I said, I was amazed that you had someone willing to spend a quarter of a million dollars in education at the possibility of making maybe seventy or 75000 a year. And that's if he landed the job at it. Yeah, how many other people are in this, are in this profession? How many people are in this, and how many of those jobs are actually out there? It's such a specialized field. And so, was it, now he may, you know, get a job. So, there might be another possibility to go in for, you know, physical training or, or whatever, you know, I mean, uh, you know, therapy, therapeutical training, if you will, or, or, or treatment, if you will, for people after surgery. There's a lot of possibilities for that. But they don't make 70000 a year at the time. Those people were, now they might be now, but I'm talking about 20 years ago. So, I was telling my EA that, my executive assistant that, I said, you know, that's the thing that bothered me was was that this person wasn't living in reality. And it didn't really hit me then. But it, it did strike me that he was willing to take a gamble on a quarter of a million dollar student loan. 
So while Biden had a plan, okay, if if you will, he had a plan to uh, to charge taxpayers. Okay, he basically had a plan to uh, to basically charge taxpayers. Okay, these elite college graduates over the working class Americans. Okay, he was going to prioritize them by promising to pay off their student loan. Okay. Now he was going to figure up to twenty thousand of it. So if they did a quarter per million, only twenty thousand of it. But I thought it was interesting that he, you know, he was. I mean, you got people that didn't go to college and spend that money. And why didn't they spend that money? Because they realized that they weren't going to market themselves in that. I know my son went to went to school and he asked me what the major. I said, "Managing business, major in business, get a degree in business management or marketing. That's where America is. That's where it is." Because from there you can delve off into all kinds of function, you know, function aspects of a business, whether it's in the actual marketing of it, or the creation of the package of the product, or the creation, if you will, of a distribution plan or an advertising, a promotional plan, or even the design of the product itself. I mean, when you go to school in those capacities, there's all kinds of possible avenues that you can get a job at. And, you know, that's that to me would be worth more of an investment than somebody that was going to specialize in sports training. And I guess that's where I'm at. So Biden wanted to do this. So, you know, he, he was a campaign promise of a bunch of snubby nosed, you know, people that went to graduate school. OK. And he wants to prioritize by giving them all money back because, after all, it's a campaign promise. The way he makes it sound, he says, I want to get breathing working class, middle class families breathing room. If you want to give people breathing room. End the war in the Ukraine. End the war in the Ukraine. Okay, that's the first thing to do. Take the fear of, of, the, of, of, of the economies out of there. Let me tell you what's going on right now in the Ukraine. Well, people don't realize what's happening in the Ukraine. I want to shift gears on this, so bear with me. If you don't, don't have a seatbelt, folks, just grab something with a good hold because I'm shifting gears pretty quickly on this, okay? What happened in the Ukraine? Now, years ago, we remember what happened, okay? Uh, well, I'm, let me just... Let me flash back 60 years to the Cuban Missile Crisis, okay? The Cuban Missile Crisis was when Russia was trying to set up a satellite in this hemisphere. They, Russia was trying to set up bases, missile silos, and actual bases for soldiers and Navy ships, if you will. They wanted to set up shop at, at a place called Cuba, 90 miles off the coast of Florida, okay? Literally 90 miles away, right on our border. And, of course, it almost started World War Three, because Kennedy at the time said, you better get them out of there or we're going to be taking action. And they got them out. They shut down the bases. They pulled everything out. We verified it's done. But fast forward 50 years later, and all Biden is now dealing with, with Putin over there. Putin's got a place called the Ukraine, which is an area the size of Texas, okay? Now, this area is right off of his border. And just south of Ukraine, you had the Crimea area, Crimea. And, of course, the U.S. was setting up Navy ships and naval bases, or they they had the foreshadowing of having naval ships in the Black Sea. Certainly, they had a strong influence in the Black Sea from the Crimea. They knew this. The Russians were scared that they were going to have a, an American satellite, if you will. They were very concerned about it just off their shore, right off their border. So they took Crimea on a long weekend in 2014 when Barack Hussein Obama was president. And uh, then, of course, they we remember the uh, the uh, coup, if you will, uh, the the problem they had, the political people they had in the Ukraine, which changed the name of Kiev to Kiev. I always still call it Kiev. 
But what did we establish in Ukraine after the after the after the turmoil? Okay, uh, ten years ago was a puppet government. We put this puppet government in place. The, the, the coup, I guess, I don't know when it happened. The, the political upheaval was, you know, it was in the last ten or fifteen years. Anyway, so they, uh, you know, they put this government in that's loyal to the U.S. and this is what Russia sees. So Russia's concerned about. It. Russia's concerned they're going to have a Cuban Missile Crisis, and they don't have the power to fight us off. They don't want U.S. apparatuses in place in Ukraine where they can take out their 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 deterrent, Russia's deterrent, before they even get off the ground. I mean, think about it. When you're that close to your missiles, you can take out, you can be much more of a deterrent to a, to a nuclear weapon country, if you will. Uh, and Russia was concerned about it. Now, Putin was always a friend of the West because he liked the West. What's interesting about the KGB and Putin was in the KGB, is the KGB was one of the few people that could come and go out of Russia as they pleased. So Putin actually had, he actually had a, uh, you know, a, I want to say, a, he saw the value of the West. He, and he, feel, he felt all along that Russia could coexist with the West. He was not one of those hardliners that people in this country wanted you to think. You know, so, you know, he's out there doing his thing and He's trying to coexist with the West and obviously with Germany and all the others. So he he had a few. Matter of fact, he speaks German fluent. I mean, so you know he he wanted a nice relationship, profitable relationship with the West. He saw that with Russia, but we wanted to uh, strengthen the Ukraine. So we put our government in there. We wanted to cause problem over there with putting our weaponry over there, strengthening, creating a an armed country against Russia there, which is what they did. Then he run a propaganda campaign talking about how horrible Putin is and everything, and they get into all this. And, and they really, what was compelling on all of this, they baited Putin into a war because they put these, basically, they, they just go to, they said a slight incursion would not be a bad thing. They might overlook that. And they, I mean, you know, they're, they're talking about, you know, drumming up support over there and whatnot. And so Putin doesn't want to go in there and do a crushing assault. So he goes in there kind of like, uh, he puts like 100,000 people on the border and they just run over there. The troops run in there. And he thought he could handle it without killing a lot of civilians. Because he didn't want to kill these people. All these people in Ukraine, they were part of Russia just uh, 30 years ago. So they're not looking to do all this, okay? He's just looking to coexist with these people. So when Trump says he could end this in 24 hours, Trump needs he can end it in 24 hours. Because he would provide the global leadership that looks to end the conflict, whereas O'Biden is providing the global leadership that wants to prolong the conflict. There are people in global society today who want another global conflict. You know, there were there were some discussions about how we had $150 billion invested in this, and now we can't just give up on the Ukraine because we have $150 billion investment. Folks, that sounds like the argument that got us into the First World War. You know, you think about it, there are people that want to go to war. They they just want to do it. You know, I mean, that's what they want to do. It's it's like the old XTC song that generals and majors, that's what they want to do. They're, they, they're just unhappy unless they find a war. And it's really an amazing thing. This is who these people are. So what Trump says he can end it, he can end it. But what's this Ukraine, what this Ukraine war is doing is this, it's creating havoc everywhere else. In World War One, when, when and back in the thirties, okay, you had, you know, you had 
France was in total chaos back then. They had rioting in France. They had, you know, unemployment in England, okay? And they had a depression throughout Europe, but they actually had revolutions in countries like France. And I thought what was interesting was France is there now. What's going on? But I'll save that discussion for a, for a little bit later. But I, I basically, I wanted to just share this with you. So what's happening is this war in the Ukraine is driving up energy costs everywhere. This war in the Ukraine is driving up fertilizer costs everywhere. Our country imports about 30% of its fertilizer. Other countries prom- import almost, if not all of their fertilizer. And it all comes from places like the Ukraine. So when the Ukraine is under under a battle under a battle flag like they are now, they're not exporting a lot of fertilizer. So there's going to be a global food crisis. They're trying to create this. This war is going to create a food crisis. There's a lot of problems that are going on right now, and this is where we're at. I, I think the Ukraine war needs to end. I mean, you probably had 300,000 Ukrainian soldiers killed from this. Ukraine does not have any soldiers left to fight with. Ukraine right now has about 300,000 men have died in this war. There's probably tens of thousands of, of military women that have died in this war, not to mention the civilians in the Ukraine. Now, maybe a country of 60 million people, but make no mistake about it, okay? I guarantee every one of those people knows somebody that died in this war. Now, the Russians, on the other hand, probably have lost between thirty to 50,000 people, but the Russians have won the war because... The Ukraine have, has nothing left to fight him with. Now there's talk about Poland and Lithuania actually increasing the scope of the war a little bit by helping Ukraine with boots on the ground, maybe. So we, we don't know what's happening right now, but there is talk of escalating this war. This is what these people want to do. They're, they're trying to escalate the war. They want to increase the footprint, the scope of the war itself. And, you know, when you look at who runs this country, who runs the world, the pharmaceutical companies, and, of course, the military-industrial complex. These, you know, Washington is a is a town, is a capital of our country, Washington, D.C., and it literally, okay, is run by, by donors and politicians that want to please those donors. The donors run the public policy in this country. And this is why they don't want Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not a donor-type guy. I mean, he wants money to run politics. He wants money, obviously. He's going to need, you know, a billion dollars for a campaign or $900 million to run a presidential campaign. But make no mistake about this, folks. He literally is not controlled by the donor class. He's not controlled by these people, these, these, these people that control the money. He's not controlled by that. He doesn't, he's not affected by that. He watch what's best for the American people. That's what Trump wants. So this is why they don't want Trump. What's interesting is Trump is now beating O'Biden in almost every poll that I've seen. I think Quinnipiac had him beating O'Biden at Pennsylvania by two or three points. Quinnipiac, which is not exactly the best poll around, but in Pennsylvania shows him beating O'Biden. Okay. Um, it shows him beating I mean, they got national polls out there now that show Trump up by five or seven points on, I know, Biden right now. Trump's running at almost 50% in Pennsylvania. Trump's doing better with independents. He's doing obviously very well with Republicans. Some 90% of Republicans in Pennsylvania love Trump. That's what I saw in the polling, okay? Um, Trump is going to win the nomination. 
And this is what they're scared about. This is why they they really don't want what's happening. This is why they're they're terrified of, of what's happening right now in this this indictment. This is why guys like Jack Smith is targeting Trump campaign aides and whatnot because he's trying to build his little case or he's trying to create some sort of a case. They're trying to allege that Trump showed people classified documents. Well, he showed the documents and he's holding documents that he had in his hands when he left Washington. Then he declassified them by virtue of having them. By his having them means they were declassified before he looked at them. So whatever he showed people, I don't know. But obviously he had documents that were of the Iran deal and whatnot. And I guess allegedly he showed some of these top secret documents that people are just irritated that he revealed what was on those documents because he showed these people the corruption that's in these documents. So he's got people like donors that, that are, you know, like uh, Susie Wiles is one of his... Uh, one of his uh, campaign aides, okay? She's one of his top campaign aides, and, you know, allegedly he showed her something. And I just think it's really interesting because they're going after her, trying to get her to testify that she saw something that was allegedly classified. But again, because he had it, he showed, he had it, it was declassified. You know, I, I say this over and over, they got no case against the man. They really don't. They're trying to create a, and everybody sees, even the Democrats Everybody sees it, okay? I mean, 7 out of 10 Americans believe that this whole thing that they're doing against Trump in these documents is political theater. They all see this as kabuki theater. They know that they're trying to, to tip the scales in favor of, of of taking Trump out. They don't want to run against Trump. They want to run against DeSantis. They want to run against somebody else. So they're going after Trump, and Trump's going to prevail. Okay, this is what they understand. See, Trump is going to dismantle the FBI. He's going to dismantle the intelligence department. He's going to, pee, pee, pee. He's going to put people in place that are uh, <clears throat> that are going to, uh, you know, help dismantle the corrupt state of the, of the affairs in these places. Okay, and I just think it's it's compelling. They're they're terrified of it. Okay, they're just terrified of it. They don't know what else to do, and they understand that. He may move the Justice Department, he may move the FBI offices, he may take it right out of the beltway. They know that he may he may disintegrate, if you will, or dismantle some of the other um, departments in Washington, things like that, like the EPA. He's going to weaken them. Uh, you know, other departments like, uh, well, like the Department of Energy. She right now, the Department of Energy, what's interesting, the Department of Energy is pushing these electric cars. And of course, Trump's asking the question, but I'm asking a question on our show so our listeners can understand this as well. We've been talking about EVs for some time. So here they're looking to build, you know, I don't know, 100 million electric cars in this country, sell them. Okay. They're going to have a, they have a long way to go because they only sell Ford, only sold 5,000 of these vehicles in two months. Okay. But whatever the case is, they all have the problem of not being able to travel far enough. They all have the problem of not being able to. Uh, you know, have the, the charging capacity for a quick charge. They all have the the problem of just not being effective, efficient travel, okay? But they're going to push them anyway. And so, you know, Trump's asking the questions about, okay, well, you know, and, and others like ourselves here, they're asking, so how much how much increase to the power grid is this going to generate? So these people, were there, there, we had Congress was asking these questions and these, they didn't have answers for them. And the compelling point is this, it's going to increase the amount of energy that this country produces, or I should say utilizes. So when you ask that, when you answer the question, then you now understand 
how much of an improvement that you need to the power grid itself. Now you understand how much more power you need to power the country so they can charge these cars. If you don't enhance the power grid, you're not going to be able to charge 100 million cars. You couldn't charge 50 million cars. All right, they have roving blackouts. They had roving blackouts in California. Okay, uh, they, they, they have them every summer. I mean, they have roving blackouts all the time, power inconsistencies all the time because they're, they, they want to cut back on fossil fuels, so they want to go to inconsistent power sources like wind and solar. This is not going to charge your car, folks, okay? And this is what people understand. So they don't want guys like Trump in there because Trump's going to dismantle all of that. This is what's concerning all these people. So anyway, so they're going after his aid, uh, this this woman by the name of uh, Susie Wiles, okay? They're, uh, they've contacted her as part of their investigation following the allegations that she viewed classified, a classified map during a, during a meeting at the golf course that in Bedminster, okay? And she's spoken to federal investigators numerous times about what she saw. So, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got some sources that, that are anonymous sources asserting that while Wiles is not named in a formal indictment, she's believed to be the representative of the political action committee who was, re- who was referenced in the indictment. She asserts Trump showed others classified documents on two separate occasions after leaving office. Again, they're not classified if he has he declassifies everything. So, but the indictment out alleges that Trump shown a representative of his political action committee, whom sources identified as Wiles, and you know the classified Matt. I, you know, I, I'll be candid with you, folks. I, I don't see a problem with any of this. I really don't. You know, what I do see a problem with is Joe Biden himself. Okay, uh, you actually had, uh, I guess they had a, a guy. Uh, Rob Malley, Rob Malley, who is Biden, who is a Biden's Iran envoy, he was mishandling classified material. Okay, so Rob Malley is a is a Biden's envoy to Iran, and again, uh, you know, he was placed on leave without pay, uh, which after which occurred after his security clearance was suspended earlier this year. Okay, uh, amid an investigation of his handling of classified material. Now, can Rob Malley show classified material around Ms. Hallett? Of course not, because Rob Malley can't declassify it. Now, well, Biden can. So if all Biden was over there in Iran mishandling classified material, they're not going to be able to charge O'Biden because he's the president. He has the material. He's declassified the materials. Okay. But um, anyway, so Rob Malley, uh, again, a long and controversial history, has long been suspected of being too sympathetic to Iran and the uh, the radicals over there in general, okay? So we all know that, but he has a long record of foreign policy failure, okay? I mean, 2008, Obama uh, booted Mali after it emerged that he met with Palestine uh, terror group Hamas. And in 2015, he was brought into the Obama administration to work on the hopelessly weak Iran nuclear deal. And O'Malley was then named as, as ISIS czar, leading Obama's hapless effort to defeat ISIS, okay? I mean, you know, it's funny what, what Trump used to say with ISIS. I used to laugh because when he was campaigning in 2016, he said, we're fighting, an, we're fighting a, an enemy right now named ISIS who has a website. We have a we have an enemy that we're fighting who has a website. How in the world does ISIS have a website? Why aren't we blowing these people up? Why aren't we taking these people out? I don't understand. 
what is so hard about taking these people out? You know, it's interesting. So, but O'Malley, um, again, uh, Biden says O'Malley to, to Vienna in a largely fruit, fruitless effort to revive negotiations with Iran toward a new Iran deal. And the regime strung them along, body time while enriching more uranium and building more weapons technology. And, it, it, you know, again, it's this was a big joke, okay? But this guy was mishandling files, so they're letting him, they're, they're going to put him in, uh, basically, they, they, I don't want to say in jail because he's not going to jail, but they took him out, you know, without paying. He's on leave without paying, okay? But, you know, that's mishandling documents. So when somebody like Trump has documents, he's the president, he classified the documents. That's who he is. He can do anything he wants. That's what it is, okay? But anyway, I, 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 you know, I think what you have to realize is the type of people these Jacobins are and, and who are these people that want to torch this country, if you will, and allow Iran to have a nuclear weapon. Who are these Malleys, these, these Malley types? Who are they? Okay. I mean, they're trying to purge. Okay. They're trying to purge this country. Okay. Of its, well, they're, they're basically trying to, they're trying to purge human beings. Okay. This, this country of, of, of its traditions, its rich traditions, its rich constructs. You know, these Jacobins are like that. Yeah. When you look at it, the woke revolution, okay, is over. You know, the nature of human beings, you can't purge. You know, Mao Zedong knew that, Pol Pot, Vladimir Lenin, they all advocated. They all advocated for purging, but you see, they became drunk on their own purifying elixir is what happened. So when their revolution spins out of control, they begin to purge things like selfishness and individualism. And this is what they're doing. This is what they're doing today. You know, they believe they could purge out independent thought in favor of groupthink. Again, the problem with communism socialism is they believe they can change reality by yelling at it. You know, it was Abe Lincoln who said you can, re you can repeal and purge historic facts to alter what people know, but you can't change human nature. I think that's a very true statement. There's stark similarities, folks, between what you saw in years past in Mao Zedong or Pol Pot's revolution. You know, when, when Pol Pot won the revolution in Cambodia, that's when the real killing began. That's when the real killing fields began. When Mao Zedong won the revolution in China, that's when the real killing began. And when Vladimir Lenin won the takeover in Russia, that's when the killing began. When these revolutionaries come into power, that's when the pain and suffering starts. And we saw that here in this country. We saw that here in this country. Okay, they got to force people to take vaccinations. Okay, when they know, when they know full well, okay, uh, when they know full well that the vaccinations themselves spread, um, you know, that, that spread the virus itself. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, did they know, you know, Rochelle Walensky knew who it was. Okay, Rochelle Walensky was the CDC director. As she knew that there were emails that were, she quit. I remember she walked off the job. We talked about it on this show here. She knows something's up with this. You can go back to my previous show when I talked about it. But I was saying then that Rochelle Walensky understood very clearly that there was something to this virus and this vaccination. They knew there was something wrong here, whatever it was. And so she decides to quit. Well, come to find out there were emails that the CDC, it's evidence-based proof that the CDC director, Rochelle Walensky and others, were full aware that masks didn't stop the virus spread. As a matter of fact, how the vaccination promoted the virus spread, how it actually helped spread the virus itself, 
I mean, these are facts that people know now. They also know that people that had the vaccination could get the virus. They knew that. I mean, they also knew that the second worst side effect, the second most popular side effect of the, the vaccination was getting the virus itself. This is what Rochelle Walensky knew in emails. And so when Al Biden was pushing this to the Supreme Court last year, I should say in 2020, uh, 2021 and 2022, he was pushing this to the Supreme Court, trying to force companies to force their employees into getting vaccination or lose their job. This is what they were doing. This is what Old Biden actually did. Well, as he was part of it, they knew, they knew that the vaccinations didn't matter, but they were still going to force the American public into it. So what kind of a leader, what kind of depraved, reprobate, leadership would push people into getting vaccinated from with a vaccination to a virus that they knew wasn't going to kill them for the most part and they knew that even if they got vaccinated could still get the virus that they were being vaccinated against and 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 even though they knew that getting the vaccination itself would help spread the virus to other people and even though they knew that the vaccination itself may have other harmful side effects, even though they knew all of that, what kind of leaders would push people into those vaccinations? Evil, reprobate people would do that. And for the people in this, in the, listening to the sound of my voice right now, who want to give Biden a pass and say, well, maybe he didn't know. Maybe he just didn't understand. I mean, folks, don't believe that. The emails that were revealed, Rochelle Walensky resigned from this. She knew, they knew, at the CDC, they were full aware that vaccinations and boosters weren't healthy. They weren't going to, and they weren't helpful. They weren't helpful and were not healthy. They were not healthy. They knew it, but they were still pushing it. You know, you look at O'Biden today, he looks like he's 100 years old. He's had about four boosters and a vaccination. He's about 100 years old, and... And now he knows, and they all know. I mean, he's had all, he hasn't had a vaccination since 2021 because they've known since 2021 that this was a bunch of hogwash. They knew it. But because he, he's suffering the side effects of the vaccination, he can't stand up without falling over. Uh, he can't think clearly. He loses his train of thought. Uh, he can't read squarely. Um, he, I mean, a stiff wind could blow him over. Okay. He, he just doesn't have the mental dexterity. He doesn't have the physical dexterity. And he, he's unable. I mean, he literally doesn't do any press briefings. The man is, is probably sleeping virtually 20 hours a day. I would say that man's sleeping probably 17, 18 hours a day. Make no mistake. I would probably tell you that he is unconscious more than half the day. And I, I, I don't think there's any question about it. You see him, he always looks like he just woke up. Uh, he comes off the he comes off the stage. He he always looks like somebody who's lost. You know, I remember my my dad when he was in his last years and months, and I remember how he walked. I remember how he walked like little stutter steps. This is the way Biden walks now. He walks like he's half drunk. He looks like he's inebriated. He doesn't have the ability to stand straight when he walks. He's like afraid to fall. You know, walking itself, walking itself, is the act of falling. People don't realize that. But when you're walking, you're in the act of falling forward. You're just always throwing your feet out to catch yourself. That's what walking is or running. You're in the act of falling forward and your feet moving are what catches you and moves you along. When, when you're, when you have 
lost that ability, okay, to move your feet quick enough, what happens is you start to shuffle your feet. So the act of falling becomes more of an act of falling, okay, instead of walking. So walking goes from an, you know, a perpetual motion of falling that you're catching yourself with your feet to where you're doing the actual falling because your feet can't move quick enough to get you out there. So he's falling going upstairs. He's falling going upstairs often because he can't pick his feet up because he doesn't have the ability to do this. Folks, it's it's amazing what's going on. And we see this with our very eyes. The people of this country understand that Donald J. Trump is the best man for this country and they're gonna vote for him. And this is why that this is why they're trying to investigate him right now. They're trying to take him down. Okay, this is why they're trying to do this because because they have nothing else. Okay, Jack Smith is 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 got nothing. He, he's got nothing. Jack Smith is a, is a globalist attorney who literally was tr- was trying cases in the Hague because he couldn't win any case in this country. Okay, so they put him on this because he hates Trump. Do they want to fight? Do you want to fight a characteristic that makes Jack Smith qualify? It's not his ability. It's because he hates Trump. Okay, it's like Kathleen Kennedy trying to find out, you know, what's going to make. You know, what's going to make uh what's going to make uh what's going to make the a, a, a good candidate to to replace Indiana Jones Harrison Ford I don't know I know I know let's 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 hire Phoebe Waller Bridge let's hire her no they, their goal was not to replace Harrison Ford with somebody who could rise above and bring that and bring a new fan base together they were just looking to create some sort of send some sort of a political ideological message instead of reaching out to find the most competent they were more interested in sending a message to the public. Well, folks, we have to leave it there. I want to thank all of our listeners for being with us today and spending time with us on this beautiful Global Warming Saturday right here on AM Radio, 11 WFYL. Thank you for being with us today. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Priest. Goodbye for now.